Hello and welcome back to Immovable Objects, a classic wrestling podcast. This is episode number 18. I'm Strenuous Man Flurry, welcoming you to the rise of Hulkamania. The day that Hulkamania began to run wild, we're talking January 23rd, 1984. Hulk Hogan versus Iron Sheik for the WWF Championship. Can Hulk Hogan win his first ever WWF title? This is an interesting era because it... Uh, this is where, essentially, the territories begin to die off. It's where uh, Vince McMahon starts to go national. It's where there is battle after battle from St. Louis to maybe even Japan to every reach of uh, the United States, east to west, where WWF is trying to get TV, buying off the companies that had agreements with local territory promotions, which essentially kills the local territory promotions. Vince McMahon has signed a number of people, the most important of them being Hulk Hogan, perhaps the next most important at this time, being Greg the Hammer Valentine, who was in fact positioned as the number one face in the Mid-Atlantic promotion. So we're going to see a era of extreme metamorphosis as we go toward WrestleMania 1, which uh, will be, uh, uh, I think, the culmination of this particular run of shows. And to talk about this, I am joined, as always, by that wily Cramine. And Cramine, what do you yeah, have? Me. What do you have to say for yourself? What do you have to say about this era of pro wrestling in the World Wrestling Federation? Um. I haven't watched much of this, like, mid-'80s stuff. Um, as I say, I was born in October of 1984, so this is still slightly before my time. Um, so, you know, I've seen the first WrestleMania. I've seen, uh, you know, footage, clips of this and that. Have you ever watched Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling? No, I haven't. The, the cartoon show they did, yeah. Um, uh, that's an interesting show. Maybe we could review some of that. I forget when that came out. That might have been a little after um, this era we're watching. But yeah, basically what we're looking at is the sort of double mania, right? Hulka and Wrestle. <laughs> that's right. And that's kind of that's kind of the bookend here, right? Um, and it's uh, you know the two really do go hand in hand. Um, so. Uh, you know, it's an interesting time. It's an important time. It's certainly a springboard sort of a sort of a time. Um, because wrestling, as we know it, would not exist <laughs> if if this stuff didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to talk about it. And Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling actually started in September of 1985, so just slightly, a few months little past. A little, little after, yeah. Which makes sense. But this... So we're going to cover, you know... And we'll, we'll probably talk at the end of this show about what comes next, but we're basically going to be covering the run from this January 1984 Madison Square Garden show through the first WrestleMania in March of 85. So we're going to be looking at about a year and change, what, 14 months, basically, worth of Hulkamania. And uh, we're going to see what it looks like. If it all looks like this, um, I don't know. Because <laughs> this show wasn't great. It was better than the territory stuff from last week uh big time big time but yeah big big time but it was not great i would say it was on par with like the 90 91 uh wcw stuff in terms of like in this corner you have a guy and in this corner you have another guy ding 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 and then they have a match and i don't care about any of it you know what i mean 
But we'll get into it. We'll get into it. There's people to talk about. There are people to talk about. And very brief news from the Wrestling Observer. Um, so just to give people kind of a feel for if you're not particularly familiar with what happened to get here, um, Vince sure. McMahon, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, I call him yes. Vince McMahon Jr. It drives him nuts, Carmine. true. Uh, but he had taken over the WWF promotion from his father in 1983. So what he did pretty quickly was he moved to get several different names, including Hulk Hogan, on his roster. And he moved to put the, take the belt off of Bob Backlund onto a heel. In this case, it's Iron Sheik, because they were very obviously hurtling toward going national with the, uh, the crown jewel of pro wrestling. Not to be confused with the Crown Jewel pay-per-views that they've been doing. Of Blood late. Money. Not Blood Money show. Yep. So the actual Crown Jewel in this, at this point was Hulk Hogan. And basically it was just, we're going national. He's so clearly the guy. And as a benefit, you know, a additional positive to them, signing Hulk Hogan hurts the AWA pretty much uh, uh, in a way that cannot be recovered from. And the AWA yeah. was one of the big promotions going on. That was Vern Gagne's outfit. Um, the same reason he signed Greg Valentine, because he was essentially positioned as the number one babyface in the Mid-Atlantic Territory at this point. He had just turned, and then he was, as all people were told, uh, no-show your bookings, and uh, <sighs> report to work for WWF pretty soon. So, that's what they that's what he always did. So, there are battles happening everywhere, including in St. Louis, the remnants of the St. Louis promotion that was run by um, Muchnick, by... Phil Muchnick, for years and years, which is now essentially controlled by Vern Gagne. No, Sam Muchnick. Wasn't Phil Muchnick the journalist guy? Did I say Phil? You did. God help me. Yes, Sam Muchnick. <laughs> uh, yes, it was Sam Muchnick, not the colonist that caused uh, much grief uh, to Vince McMahon. <laughs> Hallowed be his name. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a showdown going on there. It's uh, Vern Gagne and basically Harley Race, who runs the Kansas City promotion, and essentially got his hands on St. Louis. And Vince McMahon, of course, as Dave notes in The Observer, this is not a battle that is going to be won by booking a better wrestling show and drawing fans. It is a um, a battle that is won entirely through what he'll be charitable and call something to the effect of, um, like, dirty tricks. So right. the court system, yeah, the court system, signing people, telling them to no show, you know, trying to bully uh, uh, arenas to not allow other people to have shows there. And if you book them, you can't have me, that sort of stuff that he's done his entire career, which yeah. usually worked. So we're essentially at the point here where this Madison Square Garden show, uh, early January, sets the stage for everything that's to come. He has already signed a bunch of people, every single name under the sun is being, like, right. rumored to come in. I'm trying to think of a sort of Shakespearean analogy here. Uh, you know, it's not quite King Lear, although current Vince is a lot like King Lear now mm -hmm. that I think about it, where his three daughters are fucking Triple H, Bruce Pritchard, and Kevin Dunn. <laughs> Oof. Um, <clears throat> regardless. Uh, but this is... Um, Oh, Macbeth killing Duncan or whatever. This is Vince McMahon's big move. Mm -hmm. You know, his his one-two punch, basically. Signing Hulk Hogan, immediately putting the belt on him. 
and then the MTV stuff, the WrestleMania stuff, will get there. So, big doings afoot, you know? Big, big doings afoot, Cramine. Yeah. So, yeah. it's fascinating here for this show. Before we actually get into the matches and reviewing it, we do have to talk about the format this show takes. Because it is, if you're only familiar with WWF from, I guess, any era after this one, <laughs> this <laughs> is so different, it is hard to even compare it. It, it looked like the territory shows. Yes! Right? 100%. Where the... Well, the only difference is, I don't know if this was a Vince move or something Vince stole or what. It's something they do in uh, real sports, I feel like, all the time. Mm -hmm. I turn on an NBA game, I can see how many fucking people there are there, you know? Yep. Um, And it's in the same arena, but they just turn all the house lights off. Um, Well, house lights are a different thing, but there are no lights over the, you know, to light them for TV. Right, yeah, they're not, like, illuminating the crowd at all. Right. And, honestly, they're not lighting the ring very well, either. No, they're not. No, they're not. It's def- uh, This um, is definitely, like, a film... It feels like a filmed house show. With... Right, and to be honest, kind of so does the first WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, they might light the crowd a little there. I can't remember. But, um... That was, this was just what it looked like back then, apparently. Yep. Um... Yeah, because every moment at a ninety ninety one show that you know we were reviewing a couple weeks ago, you could see how many people there were, or how few people there were, <laughs> in some cases, you know. Very interesting. Very very interesting. Yeah, and they would they would have loved to have this uh, crowd for WrestleMania seven because I mean this is announced at somewhere north of like twenty four thousand. Yeah. And I don't think that's actually how many they have, but... I don't believe MSG can hold that many, can it? I'm not 100% sure what the capacity is, but I always recall yeah. it being better than 20,000 oh, for wrestling. Okay. Um, which is, again, what made Bruno and, you know, other people who drew there, but especially Bruno back when you couldn't have kids there, so impressive for how many fucking people he could pack into that arena every yeah. month. But that's neither here nor there. This is about... The rise of well, Hulkamania. It is here in Madison Square Garden. It actually, yes, it was here. It was there, and we are here. And yeah. so here, it's everywhere. It's dry. There's no like graphics. There's you know very little pageantry. There's, right. There's. I think you get a like you know, this guy versus that guy graphic mm-hmm. right before every match because this was basically what this was was um, this was WWF's. Uh, m- weekly, monthly, whatever, television, right? Yeah. On the, on the MSG network, which I assume was just something you could get in the New York market. That is correct, yes. Um, so if you lived in New York, this was the WWF TV you were watching at this point. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that's where all the graphics come from, is the MSG network TV people or whoever, you know? And... Um, they're not putting in a ton of work, which is fine. Because um, let me tell you, I watched this on Peacock and the, like, whoever was working at WWE uh, in, like, 2008 or whatever, um, you know, did what they could. And we do have to talk about this opening. There were there was an opening theme song intro, at least on my copy that I watched. Um, Fascinating. Did Mine did not have this. Okay. So I had a very, like, 2007, 8-ish, like, you know, the little WWE signature 
of just, you know, welcome to Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania, Andre the Giant, uh, you know, that little montage that they would do before a, before a show. Yeah, the one they had for the forever, show. yeah. Right, right. No, not that one. It was a mm. different one. Specific for WWE old school. Which oh! Is just their of these old MSG house shows. And mm. then it has Howard Finkel going, welcome to WWE old school. Whatever. But then we get the the sort of intro. I assume this was just the, you know, opening uh, uh, montage for the MSG TV. Uh, and it looks and sounds like the opening cutscene from a Ninja Turtles game. Oh, I loved it. Look it up on Peacock if you if you have but a moment, uh, gent- gentle listener. Uh, I was way into it, and it was all, like, super 80s and, and stuff like that. So they had graphics on that end, but it was nowhere near, like, a Monday Night Raw, where, you know, where it's, like, Pyro and or Ballyhoo. You know, this this show had neither of those things. No. This was, this was a no-Ballyhoo zone, with the exception of Hulk Hogan. There was, there was Ballyhoo with Hulk Hogan, as there should be. He won the world title. Our commentators for the evening are Gorilla Monsoon and Pat Patterson. I assume they recorded this in post. Um, you know, they went into a studio to do it. Uh, or maybe, I don't know. That's a great question. Did we see them at ringside? I did not see them at ringside. I have. I actually don't know if I they... I should have kept an eye out. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Well, well, yeah, I mean, either way, they uh, they actually... I thought they actually did a pretty good job. I thought it was fine. Yeah, younger yeah. gorilla... I mean, he's not much younger, but I don't know. He's fit for this sort of broadcast, I guess. He he didn't, like, trip up like, as much. I would have liked to... Well, the guys weren't doing as much... There wasn't as much to call. That is very <laughs> true. <laughs> That's a big part of it. Um, I like Pat Patterson. He was very good. He, I think he just always comes off as a really endearing guy. I, I My guess is Vince is like, oh, he's got the accent. Goddamn. You know what I mean? So did, did he... And Pat Patterson is his boy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're besties. Right. As far as I know. Like, that's my understanding. Pat Patterson was the most, the second most important person pretty much in the history was, of the WWF. Right. He was he was Vince's conciliary, basically. Now, a question for you about Pat Patterson is... Sure. Was he playing up the accent when he would do promos or when he was a stooge? Or was he purposefully trying to play it down on commentary here? Because his accent was very light, and he was very easy to understand everything he said. Like, there was absolutely... Yeah. Like, when he would do, like, the stooge stuff in the Attitude Era, or, you know... Well, up... and his accent, like, I feel like his accent was never, like... He wasn't like a Dino Bravo or a... a, a um, oh, my God. Rick Martell. It was right? not. not that you would have a, not that you would have a hard time understanding them, but they just sound French. Mm-hmm. You know, Pat Patterson always sounded kind of New Yorkish to me, hmm. but he always had his, uh, you know, the 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 plurals and singulars. Right. The issue like with that, yeah. Sean Michael and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. I love I love that stuff. I find that endearing. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's just a little verbal quirk. Yeah. You know, whatever. <clears throat> So yeah, I, I overall I gave this duo a thumbs up. You know, Big Pat thumb. Patterson, no Bobby Heenan, no you know whatever, but he was fine. Would have liked more of it. Yeah, legit. Yeah. So our opening contest, 
you know, you oh, you want to open with something to get the crowd fired up, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to open up with a hot show, the Rockers versus the the Orient Express, or or you know, I think I, you know they open up WrestleMania with a world title match half the time now. Mm-hmm. So for this show, you get this barn burner here of Jose Luis Rivera versus Tony Gurria. Uh, Tony Gurria, who was name-dropped on uh, uh, Dynamite this week. Was he really? Yeah, there was a backstage brawl or, or a brawl in the ring or something, and JR said, where's Tony Gurria when you need him? Because Tony Gurria was one of the backstage agents during, like, the Attitude Era, oh. who would always, like, break up the, you know, Austin and Mike Tyson or whatever. He was always there to, like, break up the fights in the ring, and I thought that was a great line from JR here in 2021. Um, regardless... We get Howard Finkel opening the show with, like, real sports shit. These matches are sanctioned by the, the New York State Athletic Commission, and the judges are this guy, and Dr. So-and-so at ringside. And for some reason, the we got to talk about the bell. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, bell, this bell stuff. No more. That was a thing. Uh, I hate to break it to you, dude, but... I remember it being like that at the first WrestleMania. Mm. Don't know if it's an MSG thing, if it's a WWF thing. I hate it, but whatever. Um, uh, so the referee for this opening contest appears to be Hans Molman. Wait, wait, explain, explain, explain to the gentle listener what the fuck the deal is with the bell. Oh, the bell. So, so man, Fleur, you want to do me a favor? We'll do a little, a little uh, shtick here. Okay. Okay. I'm a shtick boy. All right. Cool. 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 Um, so you try to be Howard Finkel, just announcing the match, and I will just go ding every time. Uh, they would ring the bell okay. at ringside. Gotcha, okay. Well, I can't do a particularly good Finkel, and there's nothing more cringe than doing a bad impression just of Finkel. Be, oh, so just I'm just going to be me. Introducing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, blah, 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 we did. The Athletic Commission, the person ringing the bell is... Uh, ding! Chodanus. Chodanus. Ding, 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 ding. In ding, 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 ding. Introducing in the left corner from... Ding, ding. Parts Unknown. Ding, the, ding, to, ding, 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 Tony ding. Gar- Tony Gurria. Tony Gurria. Ding. Ding. <laughs> I'm maybe I'm maybe embellishing. Like you're embellishing maybe three dings. And that's it. He just like yeah, when he when he mentions guy, the bell ringer, wanted... the bell ringer rings it and I thought funny and then he just kept ringing it. Bell ringer had to get his shit in. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really funny. Less is more. <laughs> um so, Tony Gurria. Oh, yeah. First off, the referee for this match is Hans Molman. <laughs> he's he's like four foot nothing. Uh, he's bald. He's got a, maybe a little mustache, which Hans Molman does not have. But he was he was petite compared to these wrestlers. He was a small dude. He was small. Um. Uh, Tony Gurria looks like a wrestler in his forties. <laughs> In, like an 80s wrestler in his 40s, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, yeah, a wrestler in their 40s, you mean like Brian Danielson or Kenny Omega or John Cena or whatever. Um, and, like, he's not... Like, he's sort of flabby, but the flab is toned. Like, he's in shape, you know, but he's 40. He probably looked better when he was 35. Yeah. Um. Uh, this match is all headlock takeovers and Irish whips and day one tough enough fucking, you know, uh, training stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Rivera 
gets Gurria on the mat in a headlock and headlocks, 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 headlocks. Okay, so when they say, you know, Randy Orton is a guy, if, if you were trying to build like a, like a blue chip WWF superstar from, from the ground up, you would make, it would end up being Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. I understand now because of all the fucking headlocks on this fucking show. Because this is the genesis, right? This is the, this is the ground floor for the WWE empire as we know it, right? I mean, is, I suppose you're right, perhaps, yes. Perhaps this very show, right? Mm -hmm. You could argue that. I'm not necessarily making that argument, but I don't think I'm out of line. No, no, this right. is absolutely like the bedroom. This it marks, you know, from here we go forward, right? Everything that right, led right. to this point was to get to this point. Right. So, yeah, 100%. This is the start of modern, you know, uh, no more territory. Wrestling. Yeah, yeah, global yeah. wrestling. Yeah. Look, I get global your Global Force wrestling. Gold, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, clearly, Vince is a headlock guy. Mm. That's it. The headlock's all over this show, the Randy Orton thing. Yeah. I don't know. You put Tony Gurria out there to, to let everyone yeah. know. More of this coming. Um. And so Rivera gets Gurria on the mat with a headlock, and it looks like they're just, like, hugging. Yeah. Like, there's no selling. There's no, I'm trying to get out of this. There's just no, like, you know, oh, how was work? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. What do you want to watch on TV tonight? Like, it was, it was cute. <laughs> yep. Uh, maybe, maybe we need more of that in wrestling. I don't know. Um. But Tony Gurria is like moving in slow motion. I felt like he. It was, he was only thirty-eight. He was only thirty-eight. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, th this match went six and a half minutes, six minutes forty-five seconds, roughly, and nothing happened. And they both were moving, like you know, like stop. How sometimes stop motion animation can look a little weird. Doesn't quite match the live action actors, you know. Um, yes. It was um, kind of I... like watching that. Uh, okay, yeah. Just because yeah, yeah, they yeah. were moving at a speed most people do not move at. It was just so goddamn slow. Yeah. I, um... First off, stop motion animation rules. It does! And I, I wish there was more of it out there. Um, and it, But you're right, it does look kind of funky and not quite right. Um, but this felt like... Okay, so if you're ever, um... If you've ever had to do stage combat... Mm-hmm. Um, and I presume in film it works the same way. Um, you know, during rehearsals, you might start doing it, you know, at a molasses speed. You know? Right. Okay, so you're going to come in with the punch, and then he's going to block it, and then you, whatever, pull out the gun, and you, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Right? Mm -hmm. And then you do it at 10% speed, and then 25% speed, and then 50, and then so on and so forth. Right? Until you can do it at full speed safely. Yeah. Um, that's how I've, I haven't had to do much in the way of stage combat, but that's always how I learned how to do it. Um, they looked like they were going at about 25% here. And that's by 1984 standards. Yeah. So, not great. Not great. Um, I'm glad the sort of age window, right? Because a wrestler's career generally is from like age 20 to like. like 50 if they can <laughs> stay much. uninjured yeah. you know 50 question marks um, as long as they stay healthy and wrestlers are better at that lately it seems like mm -hmm. which is very good which is very very good um, 
So I don't know, you know, Tony Gurria was probably more beat up yeah. than whoever, you know, Kenny Omega's around this age now, right? Kenny Omega's 38. Mm-hmm. Perhaps an unfair comparison. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, I don't know. So it's just interesting to look at, you know, in the 37 years since 19, almost 38 years, in fact, mm-hmm. since since this very show. Wow. Um, yeah. That's kind of wild. The numerology of Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Tony Gurria taught it. Kenny Omega everything he knows. Yep, but he didn't teach him everything Tony Gurria <laughs> knows. <laughs> that's the thing. That's that's why Kenny Omega's taking some time off TV. They're going to talk about how it's like to heal and vertigo or what the fuck ever. No, it's to just go study, get sit under that Tony Gurria learning tree. <laughs> and that's why Jr. said, "Where's Tony Gurria?" Oh, oh, now I get yeah. it. A nation turns its lonely eyes to you. All of this really is clearly set up to speak to us on like a metatextual level. All of these There's breadcrumbs. A, I know. I don't want to name the fucking the far right weirdo conspiracy theory group, but I feel like a much more wholesome version of that right now. I can't wait for <laughs> Tony Gurria Jr. to come back. <laughs> Vince McMahon Sr. is coming back in Dilly Plaza. <laughs> Or in whatever, in the parking lot where Vince's limo exploded. Oh, Vince um, and Killer McMahon Jr. Ooh. The less said about this opening match, and in fact all of yeah, the matches so on this card. The finish, <laughs> so the finish is uh, Rivera gets a victory roll for the three. But then the ref and the announcers both lie, saying it was two. And then, I, I don't know, somebody fucked up. Like, they ring the bell, mm-hmm. clearly kicked out. I don't know if he was trying to, like, keep some heat and kick out at 3.1 and he was just early or, or, or what it was. Mm-hmm. He, fail- he failed the quick time event. It's <laughs> what it looked like to me. <laughs> um, and then they throw to a replay. They say, well, let's take another look at this thing that got fucked up. And it sucks because the roll-up was, like, the one good thing in the match. Mm-hmm. Um... And then, oh, right, that wasn't the finish. I'm sorry. Rivera gets a crossbody off the turnbuckle. Guerrero reverses it for a pin. Rolls through. And ro- Right, yeah, he yeah, rolls yeah. through. For- um, I'm sorry. I, see, I watched this forever ago, so my sequence is not as good, but that's okay. Um, this was boring. Yeah. I gave it a star and three quarters, which is probably kind. That's probably very more. kind. I would say a star and one quarter. I will amend my notes. Because, like, they, you know, I'm going to give Tony Gurria the benefit of the doubt. I'm guessing he was beat up here. I'm sure. You know, the out of shape of it, I'm not so worried about. He looked like he was in okay shape. You know, yep. I don't know if he smoked or whatever. <laughs> That's, you know, I, I don't know. But um, just, yeah, not good. You know, they weren't, uh, they weren't, they were safe. Which is why I gave it a star and a quarter. Ah. It looked like nothing nothing could injure each other here, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm assuming Dave did not rate this show. There there are no ratings. No. Yeah. Sorry to yeah. say, folks. So you can put these down on uh, your pro fight DBs and cage match whatnots and just put them in. Yeah. Dare you, I dare you. If you some if if by any chance you are listening to this show and you have access to these sort of things. You could edit the Wikipedia page for this show or create one. Mm-hmm. It says, you know, strenuous man flurry, 
and uh, and Cramine of the illustrious podcast, et cetera, et cetera, rated this match a star and a quarter. You could do that. You could. And I, I encourage you to do that. Next match, we get the Invaders versus Mr. Fuji and Tiger Chung Lee. Wow. Mr. Fuji is introduced as the Samurai Warrior, and that was a problem, but it was the least of my problems with this match. Where it was at least lower. There, there were much bigger problems. Um, first off, so this was the Invaders. Uh, is one of these guys the guy who killed Brody? I cannot verify that, but it would appear to be that it it, it, okay. it looks like Invader One might have been Jose Gonzalez here. That sucks. Yeah, and that. So when was that? Was that eighty eight? Oh man, it was definitely before ninety. I think it was eighty eight. It was after this. Yeah, I most know certainly it was after this. Yes. I'm pretty sure it was eighty eight or eighty nine. It was definitely after um, eighty seven. I know it was after Mania three. So I think it yeah. was eighty eight. Um. Yeah, uh, I found this interesting. Mm. We've had six wrestlers on the show so far, right? Mm-hmm. And so far, the only American among them is Mr. Fuji. Oh. Yeah. I mean, okay, the invaders are from Puerto Rico, so they are American citizens. Right. But I feel like if someone says, I am Puerto Rican, and you say, no, you're American, they probably wouldn't like that. No. So, but Mr. Fuji's from, like, Hawaii. Yep. And granted, I, I I don't know. I don't want to get into the whole history of America and the Pacific Islands and blah, blah, blah. Um, can of worms. Yeah. Wormball. Mr. Fuji. Maybe, yeah, he was wormballish on this show. Oof. I don't know. Uh, this, I hated this match so fucking much. I am so mad about, I hated it. I just want to get that out there. This might be my least, this is the worst match we've watched since the fight, the Renegade Warriors Versus the Freebirds. And, and it was bad for the exact same reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> it's it's astonishing. It's uncanny. It's incredible. You pick whatever superhero adjective you want to use. It's incredible how much this sucked. Misery. Um, yeah, yeah, by Stephen King. Um, so, the Invaders... Like, one of the invaders will do an armbar, and then he'll tag in the other guy, and then the new guy will do an armbar, and then they'll tag, and then back and forth, and then back and forth. They do it a hundred times, and it fucking sucks. This is, this is like if I was writing an essay about uh, the, the, the Boston Tea Party, and if I just had a whole paragraph that was like, nowadays people drink tea in all sorts of ways. As for business meetings and blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know what I mean? This is just padding the essay. Yes. Yes. This was, this was they knew they had to do a time limit. And let me just, and let me just say, this is a crime. 20 minutes. 20 minutes with these four. 20 minutes. I don't mind a time limit draw. I, I, if this had gone 10 minutes, I probably would have been like, that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to do a time limit draw, um, if you're going to do a 20-minute time limit draw, it needs to be good. It better be real fucking good. <laughs> if, if you are going to make me watch 20 minutes of wrestling, I need to be watching at least like a three-star match. Yep. This was you know I mean? by far the longest match on the entire card. And this card had oh, people yes. like Tito Santana on it, Paul Orndorff, um... Who else? Uh, uh, Eat Bill Eady. You know, like, they had good people yep. on this fucking card. 
But Jesus Christ, these ones are the ones that got to go 20. You can do double DQs in other matches, count out, whatever, but not in this one. Yep. Crime. And well, so let's talk this match because it sucked. Um, so nobody, okay, nobody looks shitty really in the match. Like nobody looks clunky or untrained or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing much. So it's kind of a pick your poison thing, right? right. Do, and uh, honestly, you could have just not made me eat poison and had the match go 10 minutes instead, but whatever. Um, yes, at this point, my notes say this match should have ended five minutes ago. So I decided to mark down the timestamp on my little peacock video thing. Okay. We're at 25 minutes. Keep that in mind, okay? We're going to have to crunch some numbers in a little bit. All right. Uh, we we get a bear hug, which is cool. So now it officially qualifies for its boring match license and certificate. Um, <laughs> and so they're doing the bear hug, but it looks like... So uh, t- uh, Tiger Chung Lee is, like, hugging one of the invaders, right? Mm-hmm. And it looks like Tiger Chung Lee is, like, a dad, and the invader is his sleepy child. And it's that, like, this kid is going to be too big for me to carry extremely soon. <laughs> kind, kind of a vibe. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet, you know? The dad, the dad brain. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I watch these shows, it comes up. Um, so Mr. Fuji is doing some sort of nerve hold, and it's an ingenious nerve hold because it's apparently so debilitating that the victim's arms and legs can both be completely free and they cannot move. Mm-hmm. They are unable to defend themselves. I hated it. Um, my notes read this match is unacceptably long. Timestamp 3130, so six and a half minutes yep. have passed. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's lots of... Um, this This was a big thumbs down. I know we praised the announce team, but this got a big thumbs down for me. There was lots of, like, low-key racism. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, oh, Mr. Fuji's looking disoriented in oh. there. And, uh, you know, back in Japan, Mr. Fuji owns a bunch of rice fields, and, oh, you could put some soy sauce on that one. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. <clears throat> the finish is we have all four guys in the ring, and the invaders throw uh, Fuji and Lee into each other, and they kind of ha- they do, like, a rowboat spot, which is, like... I don't know how to describe it. Like, you got all your feet together, like your four kids in kindergarten, like, rolling a ball back and forth, right? But, like, the the attackers are, like, pulling on your legs, so it's like they're stretching out your groinal muscles. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but then as they're doing that, the bell rings, and we get a time limit draw. My timestamp is 3440, which means this match overstayed its welcome by 13 minutes. Jesus Christ. Uh, I give it minus two. Uh, minus two stars. Oh. This match owes me two snowflakes. I appreciate how generous you were with that match. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's one of those they're not doing anything, so they don't look shitty, but they're not doing anything, so the match fucking sucks. Yep. Long, long, long match. One thing I did like about this match is that apparently even the state government of New York agreed that it was too much. <laughs> and they were like, this stop. Nope, we're done. This ends now. Yep. So thumbs up to you, New York State Athletic Commission. 
Presumably. I don't know who makes those decisions. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, we've uh, match number. Did you have anything else to say about the previous match? What else is there to say? God, nothing. It's, awful. It it was awful. Awful. Just truly yeah. awful. Apparently, the uh, Mr. Fuji and Tiger Chung Lee. Apparently, they're the original Orient Express. I didn't know there was a first go around for that stable, but of course yeah. there is, or that tag team. Well, right, and I'm frankly astonished that, like, when he brought in Kai and Tai, right, in, like, 97, 98, mm-hmm. that he didn't try to do that gimmick with them. Right. You know? Not that what he did with them was good. Yeah, but that he called them Kai and Tai, which was their name which in was, Japan. and They were already using pro, that, right, right. Rather than, yeah, rather than just calling them the new, new Orient Express. Because everyone was being the new whatever around that time right, period. Right. Yeah. The new Blackjacks, the new Midnight Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. So match three. The new, the new Rockers. The, who are the new Rockers? Marty Janetti and Leaf Cassidy. Al Snow? Al Snow. Ah. Wow. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, our next match, we get Chief J. Strongbow versus the Masked Superstar. Gorilla refers to this as a main event in any arena, mm-hmm. and like, no, the fuck, it's not. I mean, both of these guys are kind of like Strongbow was a big star for a while, and Mass Superstar was kind of like pushed, mm-hmm. right? Mass Superstar um, was in the territory era a huge deal. Okay. Do you know who that is? That's Bill. That's Eady. Bill Eady. Yeah, he was a very, very big deal. I mean, like he was a main eventer anywhere he went. Um, well, that's cool because he was, you know, he was big. He was like he was really like muscular. I mean, obviously he was younger here. My God, it was years later he was in Demolition where he was still muscular. He just, you know, was much more. He was broader and more cut here, lower fat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, had the mask, looked really good. And Chief J Strongbow is basically like Kabuki without face paint, kinda like similar. Just looks like he's a mechanic. Looks like he's got to go put in a shift down at the the local fucking mechanic shop. Also, like many, many people in the history of professional wrestling, not an actual Native American. Just a, just a, um, a Italian guy from Philadelphia. Right. Wahoo, right, was actually indigenous. Wahoo was. Yes, indeed. Wahoo was, like, the only one who was, I think, right? There were, there were others, like, but their names elude me right now, but the most of... Like, Tatanka wasn't. Tatanka was. Right? I don't think so. I'm, I'm almost certain Tatanka is the only other one. Man, you know what? But I thought Youngblood was, too. And he, it turns out... No, they are. No, no they? they're they're Hispanic. The Renegade Warriors yeah, and all that? I'm sorry. All of that? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. I fucked up. All right. Tatanka's name wow. is Chris Chavis. Right. And I don't... All of his stuff is... All of his ring names are Native American-themed... Um, that doesn't mean that does not necessarily. Um, it says he's a Native American on Wikipedia. I I'm not going to look too much more into it, but that's what it says. All right. Well, who am I to doubt El Dandy Wikipedia? If my math serves, back to the match at hand. If my math serves, Chief J Strongbow is 56 here. He looks like he's about 70, <laughs> and gorilla and gorilla. Is like, well, you can see years of experience on that face, and he's not fucking kidding. Yeah. It's, he's, he's been through he it. He looks like he has had a long career of being hit in the face with a shovel every day. 
I'd, he looks right. right. He, looks he looks rough. Like a territorial wrestler. He does. Yes. Who's, who's main evented? Who's done some main events? Yeah. <laughs> um. Strongbow gets a side headlock on the mat, and I need a nap. <laughs> uh, Superstar looks beefy. He's beefy. See that beefy in demolition? I feel like he trimmed down in demolition. I mean, he was older when he was he obviously. Yeah. He was very, very big here. Like, he was big. I think he was significantly larger here than he was in Demolition. Yeah. wonder if he stopped lifting or whatever when he got... Well, because he had some injuries and some health... Yeah, he had heart issues. The time they were doing, yeah. That's why they put him in a tag team, right? Well, and yeah. that's that's why they wound up bringing Crush in, because he was not, like, able to go. Yeah, he was on his... He was literally on his way yeah. out. He was trying to retire. Mm-hmm. And good for him, because I'm pretty sure he's still alive today. He is. He had some heart issues crop up again, but it seems like he was okay. That's good. Um, so I, I never think about this, you know, in terms of masked wrestlers, right? Mm -hmm. Like no one's ever like, who is this Ray Mysterio guy or who, you know what I mean? That's not what wearing a mask is about anymore in pro wrestling. But this was like black scorpion shit where it's like, well, we're trying to figure out who the, who the masked superstar is. And, and, you know, well, by the size you can tell, I don't think it's Tito Santana (laughs) or whatever, or whatever they say. And, and. That's fun. Agreed. Um, so so that I give that kind of a thumbs up. But then Strongbow keeps going for the mask, and I'm like, um, no the fuck you don't. <laughs> Sir, you Rudo. <laughs> <laughs> do not do that. Yeah. Um, Strongbow does huh, a war dance, and they cut to a bunch of very bored-looking fans. We get a lot of... Um, I'm starting to get savvy about piped-in crowd noise. Mm-hmm. Because, like, during the Hulk Hogan stuff, you can tell people are standing and cheering and having fun. Oh, yeah. What few of them you can see in the arena. Um, but they looked mostly bored for the rest of this show. Uh, this was Hulk Hogan's house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Um, so, Superstar bounces off the ropes into a sleeper hold which Strongbow somehow fucks it up. Superstar powers out of the hold to, like, throw Strongbow into the ropes, hits him, destroys him with a clothesline. Yeah, big lariat. Yeah, and Strongbow sells it uh, like he's HBK selling for Hogan, Uh, but, like, in kind of a cool way, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But it was quick. So, like, like, Strongbow looked like ass, but the match didn't waste my time. I gave it two stars. All right. Doesn't I, and it was a decent finish. <laughs> so, yeah. And to be clear, like, so the formula for a WWF show, really to this day, right, is here's a match, and then you get either a video package or a backstage promo or a skit or whatever, and then we're off to another match. Right? Pretty much, yeah. This was just match, 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 match. And obviously, if you're watching this on the MSG network in 1984, you're getting commercials in between and, you know, stuff like that. But um, not what I'm used to. Even on those territory shows, we were getting like, oh, well, you know, here's Roddy Piper ranting Raven backstage. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it really was match in a segment. Yeah, and I, I guess the thing that's most surprising to me is they don't 
there is no expectation of what's next to come. There's not, other than the main event, obviously, which is the most important thing. But there's no... Which isn't even the main event. Which, which yeah, we'll, that's Madison Square Garden we'll for you, right? Well, well yeah, because they, they like to treat their fans to special extra matches that are even better than the main event after the main event to make you really happy, you know? But, yeah, this match very much, or this show was like, here's another match. It's, it, nothing follows, it's just, and then something else happened. Here's another match. Here is, here's one match, you know, one last match now yeah. stands between you and Hulk Hogan, yeah. who is the person you really came to see. Yeah, there's see. no, like, and, you know, we're going to have an intercontinental championship match, and you know this feud, and here's a video, you know, breaking down what these two men, have, you know, they hate each other. Nothing like that. It's just like, here's these guys, and they come out, and the crowd doesn't react, and then they have a bad match, and then here comes two more but, guys. But. You also have to think this is the equivalent of a pay-per-view card today. Ten, ten you know whole mean? matches in ninety minutes. Yeah. Well, that, but also like these were name guys against name. I mean, there were jobber matches mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Sure, but like Ivan Putski and Sergeant Slaughter are both stars yeah. of a certain level. Hogan and the Iron Sheik are both stars of a certain level, etc. You know. Um. So, I mean. <clears throat> Their their MSG shows were like their biggest shows, right? They would run into a loop of whatever, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Boston, Hartford, whatever, mm-hmm. right? And then at the end of the month or at a certain point in the month, they would go do their MSG show. Right. Right? Their big MSG show. I'm guessing they had other spots at MSG throughout the month. I have no fucking I idea. believe they only ran right. MSG once a month. I believe rough. I mean, sometimes special shows, sure, but I believe they ran MSG once a month at this point. Okay, I believe. Um, so, yes, our next match is Ivan Putski versus the inescapable Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> he has been on everything. He was the WWF champion. He was in the um. He was Bob Slaughter. <laughs> Roddy Piper called him Bob Slaughter on the on the territory. What was that? Mid South. I can't remember. Mid-Atlantic, which, right? Which I, All three of them just mushed together for me. Yeah. Um, other than the, like, okay, the Von Erichs world class. Like, other than that, they all just mushed together for me. Yeah. They're all mushy-mokey. <laughs> um, God bless you, Tom Shaft. Maybe we need to come up with a Tom Shaft award for, like, most mushy-mokey promo <laughs> or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, so, this match... Like, okay, so the ref is going through, like, all the pre-match stuff with Slaw, you know, checking his boots for weapons and stuff like that. And I thought we got a very nice close-up of his glasses, of, like, the ref, you know, the ref looks like a little peanut boy, <laughs> you know, star- staring up at Sergeant Slaughter's face because of the distortion of the of the thing. Just really cool camera work. I like shit like that. You know, find an opportunity for art in this. Be fucking Stanley Kubrick for a second. You know? It's a visual hell medium. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, Slaughter, like, so Ivan Putsky, if you don't know, um, oh, who could I compare him to? A Gary Stridham, perhaps, <laughs> an ultimate, uh, not not Warrior. He wasn't Warrior, Jeff, but he's a body guy. Like, like you know? a, yeah, I mean, like, not super duper cut in the way that, like, Warrior. Not I, shredded like an Ultimate Warrior. But so but, freakishly bulky. Yeah, uh, who do you compare? I mean, he's a bodybuilder. Yeah, like an old school bodybuilder before everyone became like science projects, I guess. 
before right before everyone was just a fucking chemist. Yep. Um. So. So, yeah, big body guy. Oh, I flex and look at my big Ivan Putski Polish power muscles. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's his thing. So Slaughter does, like, a flex <laughs> to make fun of Putski, but then, like, in flexing, he hurts himself. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty great. And then I always love the way they'll talk about, you know, the way the announcers will, like, talk about, how oh, how does he stay in such great shape, right? So as Putski is, you know, eh, fuck you, Sergeant Slaughter, look at my actual big muscles, right? Mm-hmm. The announcers are talking about, well, you know, he eats raw eggs and raw onion and raw garlic to maintain his physique. And I'm like, if that's all you ate, like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like those eggs would fuck you up if you just ate nothing. If that's your only protein source, right? Oh, yeah. Is it eggs? Hey, yeah, <laughs> let me... Not to mention, yeah. like, your breath and your bowel movements must be unholy. Like... Oh my god! Um, so I, I, you know, your body, your choice. But that the Putski diet's a hard pass for me. Um, the match is all stalling. Yeah. You know, so, so at the start, Sarge takes for out. Hey, wait, 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 I gotta take off my hat. Hey, oh, back up! I gotta take off my glasses. And like, okay, as a heel move, that's go. Oh, boo! But thirty seconds. That's the limit. Yep. You have you have thirty sixty if you're like Ric Flair, <laughs> and you can make it really good, yeah. you know. Um, this was like five minutes before these guys even touched each other, um, and then they lock up and Sarge uh, gets thrown into the corner, uh, and then we get another side headlock. Uh, my notes read: "Stop it! Stop it! Stop it!" All caps. Um, we got to talk about these ropes. Mm-hmm. So these ropes are so loose that every time someone runs, he, like, bounces off them, I'm like, oh, he's going to, like, fall and die. It's wild how loose these ropes were. There's lots of random crowd cuts in the show, and, like, (laughs) the fans look, like, engaged but not excited. I'd say, yeah. They're like, well, I'm paying attention. You know, this is fine. Better than nothing. This is fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I suppose is a step up from our friends at the Sportatorium. Uh. Um, I do have a Most Vladimir nominee. There was a very kindly-looking old man who just had a lot of warmth in his eyes, and he was wearing, like, an oversized, like, newsboy cap. And he was just a very cute old man, and I, I just, I liked him. So he's a nominee for Most Vladimir. Shout out. Yeah. Um, Ivan Putski is 44 here. Lots of older people on this show, which is interesting because Vince no longer a fan of that. Um, but Putski's 44 here, and he looks it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to a lot of these other folks who are over or approaching 40 who look 10 years older than they actually are. You mm. know, being 44 and looking 44 is great. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what you want. So, so that's cool. Um. And I think Ivan Putski's still around. I think he is. Um, I mean, if he died, he certainly died at a riper old mm. age. Ivan Putski, looking it up, doing some on-air research. He is 80 years old. Congrats, Ivan. Yeah. Oh, wow. I actually would have thought he was older than Me that. Me too. Yeah. I guess I could have. Well, whatever. Regardless of that. So, Slaughter gets thrown through the ropes, and I th- <laughs> this was bad. Um, this was like Virgil level. Um, so I think the spot, you know, the spot like where you're, where you 
run through the ropes and you get your neck like choke you're choking yourself on the ropes. Yeah. Um, but these loose shitty ropes weren't cooperating. So he just like had to he would just ended up just sort of settling his thankfully ample chin on on the bottom rope. Um but it looked stupid. Mm-hmm. It looked really it looked really bad. Um and then they brawl outside for a little bit and then the bell rings. And then the two keep fighting and somehow Sergeant Slaughter is bleeding. Um and then like we are all presuming it's a double count out, but Slaughter got back into the ring at the last second and he wins. I, this was boring, but Slaughter took some big bumps. I gave it two stars. I don't know. Yeah, you know, it was what it was. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It's you know I'm kind of grading on the 84 curve. Yeah. You know for for this for this show. Um. We get maybe one of the great throws of all time from Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, where <laughs> you didn't catch? No, this? no. What was it? Oh my God, this was great. So he says, oh, well, uh, right now we've got a backstage interview with Mean Gene and Mr. Wonderful Pornall oh. Orndorff. <laughs> Pornall Orndorff. Pornall Orndorff. I'll be damned. Pornall Orndorff. Did you have, you had these interviews, I did. Right? Well, okay, cool. So I majored in theater. I, I teach it now. I, I, it's important to me. Blocking is important to mm-hmm. me. The art of knowing where your audience's eyes will be looking and, like, appropriating your body in such a way that they will be able to see you. Right. Right. And everyone else who is on stage with you. That is an important thing to learn when you are learning acting. Uh, Mr. Wonderful Pornall Orndorff has not yet acquired that skill set. He walks into the frame, and he stands directly between Mean Gene and the camera. And for a second I thought, I mean, okay, maybe he's showing his back muscles. You know, he's but he's not flexing. He's just sort of standing there with his arms like he's not showing anything off, you know? So I hated that. That drove me crazy. And then he starts cutting a promo on Sal Balomo, but he's staring at Gene. And eventually like eventually he figures his shit out and starts talking to the camera. But this dude was not ready for TV. How long had he been around? Quite a while. Quite a while. Because he got good. He got good, mm-hmm. right? Or was he just? I don't know, man. You could have taken another take of this one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It. Um. He was very, very good already at this point. So this definitely. I, the promo is right. fine. You know. Um. And then he does some racial stuff, but like it's it's oh, you go tell all those other Italian Americans or whatever. You tell all those other Italians in New York, and I'm like, I'm Italian American. I'm like, whatever. I granted, I'm like third-ish generation, but like, I don't know. I guess it's like, well, you're white, so you can say shit about other white people. I, I, I don't know. What is it? I'm doing like my own personal check-in on that. Right. You know well, I mean? I mean, the big, the big thing, right, is especially in this era, um, Italian people had not fully been folded into. The gestalt of whiteness. Sure. sure. Um, they were, I mean, maybe by this point they were, actually. They, they were. But, you know, like we've said before, uh, wrestling is always a little bit behind the uh, the mainstream. It's yeah. it's like the, they're a few steps behind usually and very, very blatant about it. So for years and years, you know, they drew in New York based on uh, uh, drawing in Italians and Puerto Ricans. Bruno. 
and Bruno and Pedro. Bruno and Bruno Pedro. Pedro, and of course those very important yep. uh, invader that the invaders that the invaders. tag. Yeah, no. Yep. And of course Salvatore Belomo. Salvatore Belomo, beloved. A star in any arena, and his paper boats. So it's it's one of those things where it's like they, this is how they did you know draw they drew heat by doing that racial stuff and it worked once upon a time and by eighty four it was time to stop and event right and I guess it just hmm. I, I guess it's just I so seldom have the opportunity to be like well, yeah he's being racist but like he's being racist like at me and like I don't care because I'm just I feel insulated from right this. yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that says something about how much I identify with my Italian heritage. Yep. I don't and know. it is worth mentioning that this is the only appearance, I believe, in Madison Square Garden. Maybe the first only appearance in the entire career of Pornall Orndorff. So Paul Orndorff, I don't think, would ever, you know, stoop to these levels. This was all Pornall. Right. So that's why I think right, that's why right. he never was brought back. Right. You know, right. very. that was Paul Orndorff's twin brother. I know, I'm trying to think of a pair of, like, you know, a pair of brothers where one of them made it, one of them really didn't. Mm. You know, the Marty Jannetty of that family, or whatever. Uh, Ricky um, uh, Ricky Gibson and Robert Gibson. Although Ricky Gibson actually had a pretty good career. Oh, there really was a Ricky Gibson? Yes. Robert Gibson's older brother was named Ricky Gibson and was a, a wrestler of note in the territory era. I shit you not. That might be the most not-the-main-character shit I've ever oh, heard. Oh, you better believe it. You're the not-the-main-character's, like, less famous brother? With the same name as his tag team partner? <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, it's good shit, man. Oh, Robert. Robert Gibson. Porn all Orndorff. <laughs> <laughs> God, we're not even halfway through. This show sucks. Um, Orndorf, Orn, Orndolforf, Gandalf, um, stalls and stalls. Um, and and he's like, he keeps trying to find a reason to like, no, 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 no. He's uh, he's he's got a gimmick in his knee brace. Check his knee brace, you know, and and all that stuff. He's doing the exact same shit Slaughter did. And it's not for heat. It's just brutal. Mm -hmm. And if this was the first time Pornall Orndorff ever did the garden, no wonder he never came back. Um, by the way, Paul Orndorff is accompanied uh, by Roddy Piper, yeah. um, who will be main eventers in this arena very soon. Um, and it's just like, just, just do some stuff. Um, so... Piper finally from the outside is distracting Belomo and Orndor finally gets him from behind. And the ref uh, is just letting Orndorff do whatever. These refs were fucking chicken shit on this show. Aubrey would never. Fucking Earl Hebner would never. You know? Shameful. Shameful referees. Thumbs down. Um, so... Piper keeps shouting to the ref about Bel oh, Belomo's pulling the hair. And then he okay, there was one five star spot in this match. I do have to admit. He shouts suplex immediately as Orndorf is doing a back suplex. Okay, that's cool. I, it was you know how like in a fighting game, like the guy will shout Hadoken. It was like these two guys were one unit. <laughs> they were like in perfect syn synchronicity or whatever. It was so cool. That is good. Yeah, I loved that. 
Um, but then immediately after that, my notes read, I'm so bored. Don't ever, ever, ever complain to me about the matches on a WWF show being too short. That You know what I mean? Whenever Dave or whoever is is like, well, yeah, you know, none of these matches were good. They were all five minutes long. And it's like, have you ever seen a 20-minute WWF match? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, the ideal, you know, solution would be, like, have good wrestlers, have good matches, but we're, we don't get that. So just keep them short. Right. Keep them short. Right. Yeah. This did um, not need to go 14 minutes. I do not know who Sal Belomo was. I've never... So he's... I can fill you in on that a little okay. bit. He was just, he was just like a job guy. I'm pretty sure he was like a I don't know like maybe a step above a Horowitz or a Brooklyn Brawler kind of guy. Uh, you know he would he, like he would be winning against those guys on your your Saturday morning TV gotcha. show. He he was your like lowest level Italian guy because at this point you had to have a couple <laughs> Italian guys on the roster. It's something it's along yeah. those lines. Um, but I'm pretty sure he was just sort of a job guy. And I mean, come on, Paul Orndorff main events, WrestleMania. So like who's winning this match? Right? Why did it go 14? Um, <laughs> why did it go 14 minutes? That I do not know. Um, and by the way, the only other thing I know about Sal Belomo is on an episode of Tuesday night Titans, he showed Vince McMahon how, yeah, I make little boats out of like newspaper or old books or something. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. Interesting. He seemed like a nice dude, I think. He came off like an interesting, kind of soft-spoken, nice dude. Um, And then they finally, like... Oh, and okay, so his movement... I know I just said he's a nice dude, but I'm sorry. His movement is all arms and legs. Like, he's always either selling or flailing. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is. His, his arms and legs are all over the place. Um, and then they finally get into just, oh, well, let me run the ropes. Let me drop down. Let me do this. Let me do that. And then Orndorff hits a pile driver and wins. So they had like two minutes worth of good match. And it stretched out into, as you said, and according to Fink, 14 minutes and 11 seconds. Um, I gave it one half a star. One half of a star. This, this match was, uh, I hated it. If this was three minutes, you would have had, like, a three-and-a-half-star match. <laughs> if this was five minutes, you could have had a two-and-a-half-star match. Like, really, really. they There were so many paths to not fucking this up. They uh, they had a 90-minute time block, or, or maybe two hours, I don't know. The initial airing and, was probably I mean, two hours, I right? Yes. And I guess between, you know, Bruno and Bob Backlund and so on and so forth... And the way wrestling was back then, they were still used to their big shows having one-hour world title matches, you mm -hmm. know, and stuff like that. So maybe this Hogan shit, I, I don't know, because superstar Billy Graham probably wasn't doing Broadways, right? Uh, I, I don't, don't think he did. I mean, he might have, but they were probably all, like, DQs and blood stoppages and stuff when he was well, champ. But a Broadway a Broadway is a 60-minute drive. Right, right, right. Yeah, he probably, I doubt. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I yeah, I'm saying I doubt they they would have done, but maybe I mean I don't know. Right. If they were, they probably looked a lot like this match. Yep. Do nothing. So so pass. pass. Yeah, but for an. So then Gorilla throws to a Mean Gene interview, uh, with Ayatollah Fred Ugh. Blassie. Um, did not love this. So Blassie cuts a promo, saying, "Listen, we were prepared for Bob Backlund." We were supposed to be having our rematch with Bob Backlund. Instead, they throw this pencil-neck geek Hulk Hogan at us. Can you imagine? 
calling Hulk Hogan a pencil neck geek like literally any other time in history. <laughs> you know what you know yeah. what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, I can call him a pencil neck geek because like, well, he's about to win, so it's not like you know, oh, the heel manager talks shit and then he eats shit, right. you know. So that's fine. And then like a month later, he's the biggest celebrity on earth, you know. Um. So. Regardless, I thought that was interesting. And the whole thing is, oh, well, Hogan's so big, right? Which he is. I mean, he's like six foot five legit or whatever. He's a mm-hmm. big dude. And, you know, well, it doesn't matter because the Iron Sheik has been training against all these big tall guys. And, and he's been killing them all with the camel clutch. Okay, cool. That's fine. And then the Iron Sheik uh, does a promo. Like, they do the whole shtick where he's speaking uh, uh, Farsi. I know we biffed this on the on the... Adnan stuff, mm-hmm. but Sheik is actually Iranian, and I believe yep. the the native language in Iran is Farsi. Is that correct? I believe you are right. Cool. Feel free to check me. Don't on worry. That. I, I already checked whether or not what's his face was still alive. Um, it is yes. Persian so, language is uh, otherwise known as Farsi, and that is spoken in Iran. Cool. We did it. So he's cutting a prompt. Nice. So he cuts a promo. Eventually, right, he, Mean Gene is like, we know you speak English. And Iron Sheik is like, fine, fuck you. Um, so he does a promo. I'm an Olympic champ. First of all, I love the way he says champ one when he means champion. He talks about I'm an Olympic champion, an AAU champion, and now I'm the world heavyweight champion. And I'm kind of like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> list, that, list that resume, Iron Sheik, because he is kind of legit. He's, he's one of the more legit WWF champions in terms of like actual you know wrestling skill yes right oh, that yeah. they've ever had it's like him it's Brock it's Bobby Lashley you know it's those guys actually um, yeah because the early champion the first WWF champion WWF champion was Buddy Rogers, Buddy Rogers. and then Bruno he's just a wrestler right and Bruno had I mean Bruno was a real and he had some Bruno he was. had amateur experience but like he wasn't like a you know a like a great, great amateur wrestler or anything. He wasn't an Olympic Olympic level. He wasn't guy. Brock. He was definitely not Brock. Can you imagine Brock Lesnar at the Olympics? That would have been cool. Even even now at like forty five or whatever he is. Who do you think could 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 <laughs> lift more, awesome. him or him or Bruno? Uh, it depends on who's eating more garlic, I guess. <laughs> and onions. <laughs> and raw onions and raw eggs. I'm just pleased that no one did the camel walk today. Yeah, Rocky did. Had Rocky come out? Rocky was 1975. Oh yeah, that's the Rocky. Hogan Hogan had already done Rocky three. Oh my God, you're right. Jesus Christ, where's my head? Right. Wait, when was Rocky? He was definitely in it prior to this because he was still in the AWA. I know that for a fact. For sure. Rocky three. 1982. Yep. So, just for um, people out, you ever see Rocky? I did. I did. It's it's uh... the Hogan fight is fucking amazing. <laughs> it's so it's so Thunderlips. Other than that, it's not. A, it's, you know, it's okay. But yeah, the Rocky versus Thunderlips is is really. And that's where he met Mr. T. Good lord, that's yeah. yeah. Oh, should we watch and review Rocky? We we definitely should. I don't really. Want so, to. just for people out there. Uh, don't drink raw eggs, it's the, it's just the, FYI. Yes, don't ever It's do not good for you, and it does not actually... It's not a good, like, protein vector. It doesn't make them more bioavailable. Just don't do it. Cook them or eat or drink 
whey or any any protein source or or nuts or beans or if you're if you're trying to you know keep meat out of it because fish and poultry is pretty good for you too but you know if you're trying to keep veggie I smash that. mouth cook the eggs before you eat them thank you yes correct Paul Newman um so what were we talking about what's this what's the point of this podcast <laughs> we like to talk about proper protein sources and yeah clearly clearly Gary Stratton. onions. Onions, yeah. Is there protein in a No. Onion? Like a little bit of fi- some there's, fiber? There's fiber. Yeah. I do like a good Yeah, do you onion, like to... Like on a burger or in a salad. You don't eat it like an apple? Maybe on like a dare. Like if you paid me real good. How much? A hundred bucks. <sighs> I don't got the scratch. But wait, do I have to... Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Do I have to eat the whole Oh, yeah. Thing? Oh, fuck that. No. Got to eat the that. apple core. No. The, the onion core. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Shame on you. That's fine. <laughs> I can I can live with that. <laughs> if it means I don't have to eat a whole onion bite by You're a bite. bad person. Um, well, listen, if that is your threshold, I do not sweat your judgment. <laughs> um so uh where were we even We were at? about So the Iron Sheik is Iron Sheik is cutting his promo. This was some amazing television production. The Iron Sheik is, like, cutting his promo, right? Uh, you know, I trained for Bob Backlund, and I'm a champion. I'm a wrestling champion. I'm an Olympic champion, blah, 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 blah. And then they throw this animal, this beast, this Hulk Hogan at me. And Iron Sheik is, like, in the middle of cutting his promo, and then Mean Gene cuts him off, and he's like, I'm sorry, we need to go to the ring. And then we cut to the ring, and the Iron Sheik is in the ring. Ooh. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. hilarious to me. Yours, Your copy didn't have that? My copy, the next match, was the Magnificent Morocco. Really? You didn't have this? They cut did you not did you not have the I did not have a Don Morocco Don Morocco Don Morocco match on you, here. Did you didn't have the minis match either? I did okay, not. Okay, I did not take Oh, this is interesting. Well, I didn't take copious notes, so I'm just going to run through them briefly because these matches were abysmal. Very long story short, Don Morocco Don Morocco the Magnificent Morocco was with Captain Lou Albano, wrestled Tito Santana, they went to a double disqualification. It was more of the same. I'm sorry, what was the match one more time? Uh, Intercontinental... Morocco versus Tito. Yes, Intercontinental Champion Morocco versus Tito. Ended in a double DQ. uh, Went a long while. Not a lot of anything in the match, which was surprising because, you know, Tito's good. But no one was really... No one was really wearing their working boots tonight, were they? (laughs) I am going to give it based on your description one and a half stars. I how long did sixteen it go? minutes? You, oh, one half of there a you star. go. There you go. Yeah. There was a Tito Santana pro. <laughs> Sorry, I'm picturing a boring eight minute <laughs> match. <laughs> yeah, no, there was a Tito Santana promo. I don't know if it was in between this or the next one, where he just talks about how. Uh, it was a double DQ, and he's going to get Don Morocco at Reba. Great. And then a minis match. They use a different term for this. I'm going to call it minis. It was Haiti Kid and Tiger Jackson against Dana Carpenter and Poncho Boy. I was so hoping you were going to say Dana Carvey. <laughs> that would have been so cool. The master of disguise, Dana Carvey, teaming up with the Haiti Kid at last. Would he have been on SNL at this point? No, I think he joined a little mm. later. 
This was, for some reason, a two out of three falls match. It went seven minutes, and Haiti Kid and Tiger Jackson just won two to nothing. So they put them over. They, they ate them up, gave them nothing, destroyed them. Yeah, and that was that. And these were the two match. Like, like these are you know they do. If you've ever watched it at this point, the the minis match is like humiliating. Kinda, I do not like it. It's comedy. It's shit. comedy. Like they'll do a long headstand, and you know, and the announcers will like mock it. Swaggle in the bowl, like that. Except we L C actually ruled. Was really that was fun. fucking yeah. great? But yeah, yeah. Um, this is this is not like Microman who recently left CMLL and Chamwell their matches a couple of years ago. This is nothing. So anyway, we right. go from there, and I think this is the first Hulk pro- promo, right? Did you not get the Hulk promos? Do I have the Hulk promo? Oh, wait, wait. Hulk promos come after, don't they? Yep, never mind. It's it's Sheik versus Hogan now. Okay, so I do really quickly want to backtrack to the Blassie. The Blassie of the Blassie, to be honest. Um, I'm not feeling the headdress. No. Like, I get the, like, Lawrence of Arabia thing. That's what you wear when you're in the desert. Right, that's not ne- that it's not necessarily like a religious or a cultural appropriation thing, right? That it's just you wear it in the desert to keep like the sweat off of your face or whatever, whatever. Um, but setting that aside and the just like ah, ha ha, I have to do a racism with my outfit. Um, I have to nominate Blassie for the Blassie because he's dressed like a grandma at a wedding. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the bride's grandma, and like this is her only granddaughter. So he he, like he had to get out his like sparkliest, shiniest, like blouse and pantsuit combinations. I, I don't quite know how to describe it. It's because you know how the older you get, the more your fancy clothes just like for like weddings and stuff like that look like fancy pajamas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where Blassie's at here, and I big respect to him for it. Like I get why he's. A Hollywood fashion plate <laughs> to some extent. Um, so yeah, then we got Hogan versus Iron Sheik for the title. We finally made it, Cramine. Looks like there's no it. way. How far we've come, my baby. <laughs> there's no way Hulk Hogan can beat Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik's a legitimate wrestler. I mean, he just listed off all of yeah. his credentials. What does Hulk Hogan have on his resume? I almost played bass for Metallica. <laughs> you know, he's big. He's a wild animal. He's a big boy. He is big. And uh, I got to say, he is absolutely, the second he comes out, he's the most exciting and energetic and, and interesting thing on this yep. show at all. No, like, nothing eye-catching happens on this show whatsoever. Unless it's like, oh, that's Howard Finkel. I like him. Yep. Or, you know, oh, Pat Patterson on commentary. I want to pay attention and see what that is. That's interesting. But, like, Hulk Hogan is the only interesting thing on this show at all. Um, And Hogan jumps Sheik the second the bell rings and he has his like Iron Sheik robe and he just like stretches it out and clotheslines him with it. And it's like, oh, hello. I'm going to be the world's biggest baby face for a next decade and I jump people from behind and choke them. USA. He's um, using that that famous move that Stan Hansen created. The clothesline. That's right. That famous Stan Hansen. I still can't believe um, Jim Ross claimed that Stan Hansen created the clothesline. You know, what yeah. a wonderful just bunch of bullshit. Yeah. 
So this this was interesting. Hogan hits the big boot, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, here we go. Like, here's the big, the Hogan finish. But no, we hadn't quite, he hadn't quite finalized the formula. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so Hogan, he runs into an empty corner, and he gets the cutoff. Ooh, you almost never get a cutoff after the big mm. boot. But, like, Hogan was running wild, and then he takes one spot. He gets thrown into the buckle, and it's like, oh, brother, I can't. <laughs> so, so Iron Sheik hits a backbreaker, right? He's working over Hogan's back because he's going to do the camel clutch. Hogan is selling bit. Hogan's selling has always been mm-hmm. good. Let's be clear, right? Hogan was never great in the ring. He was never a great athlete, and he's even worse here because he's still kind of green. Um, but his selling was always very good. I, I think thought. it fit the era. Like, if you were to transport his selling to, to now, it would be a little bit different, but... I think it would be... Let me put it this way. I think it would be overwrought yes. today, but I also sort of like that he's... It's the TV mm-hmm. era... Right, but he's uh, you know uh, uh, to sort of use theater vernacular, he's playing for the back of yeah, the house. Yeah, he's still working for the cheap seats. He's he is he really is, and I think there's something. To I think that. he's great. It's that populism, you know. <laughs> that, I bet that's where Trump learned it from. Every, learned everything he knew, everything he ever learned. He learned. Yeah, thank God, Donald Trump's a Hulkamania. But like you said earlier, Hulk Hogan didn't teach him Ooh. everything. Hulk Hogan knew. And Hogan knows. No, that's right. Uh, you ever. Can you imagine if Hulk Hogan was president? You know, if he just was more specific about the flat tax when he was running back in like two thousand. <laughs> if you know, Leno never asked him about yeah. that. Yeah, why, 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 why fourteen percent, not fifteen? Because it's less than fifteen, or whatever. Hulk. Yeah, you know, for that extra one percent, we could fund this. That. <laughs> yeah. So he's uh, he's pretty great here. Flat tax is bullshit, by the oh. way. Don't ever let anyone, yeah. please. Like, I know we know this, but just in case you don't know, flat tax is nonsense. Do not Remember. institute a flat tax and do not drink raw eggs. Yeah, tax the rich. Um, regardless. Um, so, so the Iron Sheik goes for a double leg takedown. And eventually Hulk Hogan remembers to fall. I mentioned Lawrence of Arabia earlier. That movie is almost four hours mm. long. You could have watched Lawrence of Arabia in the, in the time it, it took for, like, Iron Sheik to execute the move and for Hulk Hogan to take his <laughs> shitty bump. Um, and then Sheik puts on a Boston Crab. Hogan pushes out of it. You know, he does the push-up and Sheik flops on his face. Um... Eventually, Iron Sheik gets the camel clutch. Hogan powers up like it did, and I'm standing, you know. He runs Sheik into the turnbuckle. He gets the leg drop, the pin. Um, So, yes, it did not have the Hogan formula that we saw plenty of times in 91, right? Um, Which I think we've kind of said we agree is like Hogan's in-ring peak, Right is like sort of eighty nine to ninety one. Yeah, I, I I would think so. Honestly, he's really figured it out. I really, I really do think so. Yeah, what he can and cannot do. Right, um, and like here's how to do a five minute match. Here's how to do a twenty minute match. You know, um, here he had not figured that out. But a couple things. First of all, this match was five minutes, maybe. Um, and as far as a like 
Okay, so um, we need this guy to be our biggest star yesterday. <laughs> uh, you could do a lot worse. You could do a lot, lot he worse. He sold. He sold so that it wasn't like, oh, I'm beating a nobody, brother. Plus, his selling feeds his comeback and blah, blah, blah. Um, and there was no Hulk up. No. Right? There was no Hulk up in this match, so he hadn't figured that part out yet either. Um, but all things considered, this did not waste my time. Even if Hogan's in ring needs work, I gave it three stars. It was not, it didn't, like you said, it didn't last longer than it needed to. The crowd was yeah. very, very hot for it. It was the best thing on the show, right? Oh, yeah, right? by far. By far. Uh, other than Hogan's subsequent two promos. Well, it was the best match yes. on the show, I should say. Yes. Yeah, yes. It was only it was marginally better than the 20-minute time limit draw with the Invaders. And mildly better than Tony Gurria. But, <laughs> no, this was the only match that I was, like, watching and, like, yay, a good match. And it was so simple. Not a lot happened, but, like, it was... Iron Sheik working over Hogan's back and Hogan being too strong and throwing him off and then Hogan winning with his move. Right. Great. So Hulk Hogan did a he did a mid-card match and he made it a yep. main event. You know? And uh, perhaps that's what his career was for the next 6 7 <laughs> years. That's a skill set, you know? You talk, oh, Hulk Hogan only had, you know, a little a couple drops of athletic ability. Who fucking cares? Look at him. Yeah. You know? So the crowd is legit going nuts. And Hogan grabs a sign out of the crowd that says, I fear no man. To my knowledge, he did not wipe any blood <laughs> on it. Which is, which is good. Again, another part of the Hogan formula that was missing on you this You got show. that right. So then the trainers or whoever are, like, checking on Iron Sheik while Hogan is, like, preening. Um, then Iron Sheik gets up. They start fighting. Iron Sheik throws a chair into the ring and, like, Hogan grabs the chair because he's smart. <laughs> and then the Iron Sheik runs away. Yep. So, yeah, we get our first Hogan promo. And it's a very, like, this was not the we're going to go over and we're going to bomb fucking Iraq and kick everyone's ass and Sudan Hussein. It was much more of a, well, golly, Mean Gene, I sure am glad I won my first world title. Wow, this is the best, you know, kind of a mm -hmm. thing. Um, he accidentally spits his gum out on Mean Gene at one point, which is really funny. Um, it, it was a very sort of... It was a Hogan promo, but his energy was a little different, yes. I thought. You, you can, know? Uh, he, again, the whole the pieces hadn't all come together. And you can tell that he is still, like, somewhat emulating Dusty, if only for the daddy that he drops here. And he does not say daddy later on in his career, but he's doing it here. He's like, oh, this is great, daddy! You know, and yeah, yeah. Not Dusty didn't create that, but Dusty by this point was very much known for saying "Daddy." So. Yeah. Uh, and then while Hogan is doing his promo, Andre comes in and like pours the champagne on his mm -hmm. head, um, which is a really interesting little moment in history for a couple reasons. A, I think it's really the start, right? I feel like Vince saying that is like, and then in three and a half years, you know, you guys will make a gazillion dollars at WrestleMania. <laughs> Um, I really do think that. Yeah. And I think back then, Vince was able to do that, to think three years ahead of time, you know? Um, so smart move. Um, and and I also think it's funny, because apparently back when Hogan was still, like, really, really new and was on tour with Andre, this was... 
I forget if I read it in the sleaze thread or or some Andre thing or other, but apparently, like the way Andre would like haze Hogan when Hogan was new was on the tour bus. Andre, whenever Andre would finish a beer, he would throw it at the back of mm-hmm. Hogan's head, and it was Hogan's job to keep track and know when he had to make a beer run for Andre. <laughs> um, so I think that's funny that, you know, Andre just paid him back a little bit. Here's your receipt, brother, some champagne on the head. <laughs> so, you know, Andre comes in, he pours the champagne. Scott Putsky comes in and pours some champagne on his head. Rocky Johnson pours some on Mean Gene, and this was fun, you know? Just a fun little, we have a new champion. This guy seems like a big deal. You know? And it kicks off the Andre Hogan thing. Yep. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Then we get Rene Goulet versus Jimmy Snuka. The The match starts with maybe, like, the fastest action we've seen the entire show, but nobody cares because we've already seen Hulk Hogan and a title change. And all the announcers want to talk about is Hulk mm-hmm. Hogan. And I don't blame them. Um, I get it. Because you do have kind of a hype main event. So, you know, you could kind of take a breather with this one uh there's a claw hold and uh one of the announcers i forget if it's gene or pat pat or not gene gorilla or uh pat patterson but i think it's gorilla says um well you know the entire wrestling world will soon be suffering from a case of hulkamania (laughs) you have no idea how much the wrestling world will be suffering brother um snooka does there now okay I am not one to speak well of Jimmy Snuka, yeah. right? He's 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 a thumbs down kind of a guy. Um, but here's the thing: well, a lot of people attempted leapfrogs on <laughs> this show. Uh, Jimmy Snuka was the only one who could pull them off, uh, and then he jumps off the top rope with a crossbody, and he gets the pin. It was quick. It was fine. Two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half yeah, stars. Two point five <laughs> snowflakes. Um. Then we get Hulk Hogan backstage <laughs> with his parents, Ruth and Pete Hogan. Um, does, that is the real Ruth and Pete Malaya are their real names. Um, Mom cuts what I think is a top-notch promo about you know just oh well I'm proud and you know my son has been just so good for the sport and the sport has been so good for him, and then the dad was a little mushy. <laughs> Dad, <laughs> dad was just like, well, you know, I think it's great, <laughs> you know, and, and a very sort of taciturn, you know, um, kind of grandpa vibes. And as it's getting awkward, Hogan, with his really excellent instincts, jumps in and says, well, you know, something my my parents have trained me from day one, and I love them, and they're just the best, and I love them, and I loved it. It was great. Ruth Hogan for the John Tenta Award for Cutest Wrestler. <laughs> um, and then we get our main event. We get the Wild Samoans versus Rocky Johnson, Tony Atlas, and Andre mm-hmm. the Giant. Uh, they cut to a fan in the crowd with, like, a hand-drawn sign. Like, this was this kid. Like, when this fan bought their tickets for this show, they were like, all right, I have an art project now. That they just spent like the days leading. I mean, it looked really yeah. cool. It it was it was a hand drawn sign of the good guys like beating up the bad guys, and I nominate this person for most Vladimir. Um, and this match, so this match has Roman Reigns' dad, The Rock's dad, Mark Henry's manager, and Andre the Giant, and it's like, Shit, wow, man, 
You know, do you ever, like that's yeah. wild. Um, so this third guy, because there's three wild Samoans, uh, it's a trios match. The third guy is called Samula, and I'm assuming this, this is, is Samu, Samu, like head shrinker yeah. Sam. Okay, okay. Um, he wrestled most of the match, he did. didn't he? Yeah. So he and Rocky, they do some crisscross spots, and I'm so glad they don't ever do those crisscross spots anymore where just two guys are bouncing off the ropes at each other but not mm-hmm. connecting. I hate they look so stupid. We get another Blassie nominee for his uh for Rocky Johnson's sort of graffiti stripey Jackson Pollock by way of Eddie Van Halen's <laughs> guitar <laughs> sort of trunks. Um so, at one point, Samu has Tony Atlas in a full Nelson, which is a really easy way for us to go, to, to, to really hammer home to the audience how ridiculous Tony Atlas's shoulders are. Yeah. These things are enormous. This dude big. Shoulder boulders. Yeah, he was a big boy. Um, and then he easily and gloriously powers out, which was great. And then he makes the tag to Andre. Uh I don't know, the Samoans do some moves on Andre. He sells for a second, and then he hits a big boot and just sort of falls on Samu for the pin. This was, I wrote this was the best match of the show, and I would watch more of this babyface trio, but I did not assign this match a star oh. rating. I will say three and a quarter, three and a half, hmm. I guess, based on my notes. I, so I don't know. So would you say um, you liked this fun. trio of um, Andre teaming with um, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas more than you liked Andre teaming with Dusty Rhodes and um, God, who was the other guy he teamed with in Mid-South in that dream match? Oh, uh, Junkyard Dog. I like yeah. this better. This it still had the Wild Samoans. And, it yeah. was still the Wild Samoans. Perennial just guys who, who lose to Andre the Giant. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Two years later. Mm-hmm. Net can never get out of the big man's shadow. It's a big shadow, Cramine. That's true. It is a big a shadow. Big shadow Ernie Ladd. So, yeah. So then we get some footage of um, the fans filing out of the arena, and the crew is, like, taking down the ring, and, like, you know, there's no – it's not even a, well, we've had a great show here at Madison Square Garden. It's just the raw audio. Mm-hmm. And at one point, you can overhear one fan ask, can we go in the <laughs> ring? And that's – Extremely Vladimir. <laughs> and I really liked having this just little, um, it was a nice way to simulate actually being at a yeah. live show. You know what I mean? I thought that was really cool. And, and, a, and a pleasant use of, of just 15 seconds of yeah, TV time. I can dig it. Um, yeah. And then Pat Patterson misidentifies the date as January 23rd, 1983. Oh. Um, but Gorilla swiftly corrects the record. In a, like, yes, it's been great. 1984 shaping up to be a <laughs> really great year or something like that. Um, so he corrected the record without having to correct Pat, and I think that's really smooth. And then we're, we're off, off the air. air. Yep. Um, so this show is impossible to watch as anything but the launch pad, right, yes. for Hulk Hogan and, and the biggest run in wrestling history, mm-hmm. right? What else? I mean, Austin... Like, Austin was the biggest star, but that was maybe three years, mm-hmm. right, of Austin just being, like, the biggest and coolest person in the world. Hulk Hogan was the star of stars for, like, a right. decade. 
I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, when you when you factor in the travel schedule these guys had, because remember, when the territories right. died, they went everywhere, and they didn't necessarily do it in a way that made sense. So, you know, it wasn't like right. we're in Florida, you know, today, we're in Georgia tomorrow, that sort of thing. It's like, all right, you're going to catch a red eye out to St. Louis, and then you fly back to fucking New York, and then, hey, we're in San Diego. <laughs> right, right. Right. And then, of course, Hulk Hogan had the magical power to travel to Japan to create extra days, as he laid out in his biography. So he worked 400 matches a year. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, because the international dateline or yep. whatever. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, he had the incredible ability to create additional days just for him, and that's why he was able to work all those extra matches. So good for him. He's a special yeah. guy. Hulkamania running wild. Um, so, yeah, as far as just launching, you know, the Hulkamania stuff, it was successful. But as far as, like, something to watch in 2021, like, it's watchable. Yeah. You know? I gave it a C-. minus. Um, but I probably would have given it a straight C, but that tag match, like... This... You must have been in a... Dude, that's, a, that's, like, that's like a see-me-after class. <laughs> you must have been in a particularly good mood while watching this show, yeah? Or maybe it's just that it's 90 minutes, because you gave some of the Oli shows less than that, but those were longer shows. They were longer, they had a lot more boring yeah. matches, the commentary was Yeah, worse. that's true. Um, the, you know, and I'm, I guess I have just, I'm more inclined to find WWF history mm -hmm. interesting, um, and that's just a personal bias that I am acknowledging. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, awards? Let's do some awards. All right, so we do a... Let's do our... Um, yeah, we'll just go in the normal order. So, most valuable player? Hulk Hogan, obviously. Hogan and Hogan and Andre were the only people who felt like they were over. Yeah. And right, of the two, it's, Ho it's Hogan. Um, most Virgil? Who's the most Virgil player? This was a time before uh, Virgil. Yeah, Belomo was a he jobber. Was. Big old job. Big old job guy, and he wasn't very good. Uh, Slaughter for biffing the um, the spot with the ropes. And he did win by countout, which was what Virgil did at WrestleMania. Mm. Um, so uh, those are my two. I don't know. This one's tough because there was no, like, bodyguard who got their, you know, got wrecked. Like, if Blassie got up there and got punched, right. you know, then maybe, but... Oh, oh, mm. you know what? Sal Baloma was Virgil because in his match, uh, Roddy Piper was on the outside. That's true. So we'll give, we'll give it to Sal. Salvatore Belomo. Sal and Belomo. now... You can go and tell all the other Italians. Who was the most Vladimir player? Who was the best fan? There were a few. I, I was kind of searching mm -hmm. high and low. Um... Let's see. Who, so who did I note? I noted the the old man, the kindly old man, the the fan with the sign for the six man match. Um, who was I? Who, there was one more, right? Oh, and the can we go into the ring? Yeah. Fan? <laughs> um, I, I can we go into the ring? Is is the winner? Let me let me throw one out at you. Sure. Technically, this is a fan to me. This person counts. Are you gonna say? Saying Ruth, Ruth Hogan, Ruth Balea. Does uh, she Mama count? Hogan. 
No. no. I think because she was she was a mark for just the one wrestler. She was a single issue voter, you know. Um, but so I think there is a stronger case for. Her. I went to the MSG show, and I'm on camera asking to go into the ring. Yeah. That that's um, all time funny. But shout out to the fan with the great sign because that sign was really cool too. Um, yeah, no, it's can we go into? I'll the go ring? with that too. Yeah, but if I can skip ahead a moment. Uh, Ruth Balea is my shoe in for cutest. <laughs> well, then let's do cutest. Like it's yeah, Ruth. Ruth. Boom. Not Boom. even close. Yep. No one close. Who was the um, the classy Freddie Blassie fashion plate award winner for Sartorial Savvy? Who had the best look? Who had the best fit? Who had the best uh, cut? My notes were Blassie, right, for his grandma at the mm-hmm. wedding. Sort of sapphire blue. Um, sequiny kind of number, uh, or uh, uh, Rocky Johnson's uh, trunks. I think I got to give it to Blassie. It's hard, you know. It's hard to not give the Blassie to Blassie. Cause he was, he was, he was on. Point it is here. so named. Yeah. The did not love the the headdress n- again. Could have done no. without that. The um, Mary Tyler Moore. Do we have? Did we do least? We didn't. No, let's do the least valuable player. Salvatore. Okay, so no, actually, I have I have two. One of them is the (laughs) side. Um, uh, perhaps the least valuable (laughs) in in the history of wrestling, based on this show. Uh, and my other nominee is Cornel Orndorff. (laughs) For because he just spent his whole fucking match stalling. Yeah. It sucked. Plus he plus his blocking mm-hmm. sucked. So those are my two. I could. He was so way. bad he was never seen again. So imagine how valuable yeah, he was. Or... I'm gonna go with Pornall Orndorff just because I like saying Pornall that name. Orndorf. All right, cool. Least valuable. I mean, and you know he just died not long ago, so I feel bad, but he didn't have a great night here on January 23rd. Um. Yeah, the Mary, the Mary Tyler, Tyler Moore, Moore Why Am I Here Award. I kind of wanted to give it to that one old I want to give it to Hulk's dad. Hulk's, Ooh, Hulk's dad a, seemed wholly uninterested in his son no, winning the it. World Heavyweight Championship. He was just like, fine. You are, that, you are absolutely... That is the essence of Moore. You are 100% right. That is the essence of this award. Yeah, they, like, put the... Like, got interviewed, and you cut us just an I don't even care what this is promo <laughs> that you are yeah nailed it. yep yep um what other awards do we have Cramine? oh my favorite the uh Robert Gibson award for not the main character well I mean maybe the all the guys who got cut off the show <laughs> put it on the network that who so who was it the minis the mint right and Morocco yeah. Santana why would you cut out the intercontinental? That title one's a match? weird one. That one's really maybe there was a music That's thing they didn't so want to weird. fuck with, or maybe the one that they put up on Peacock was like for distribution somewhere, and they had to have it at a certain time. Yeah, I have no idea. And they had a VHS tape restriction. Yeah, they didn't want to spring for two tapes. That's so fucking weird. I well, who? Come on. <laughs> um. Regardless, uh. Were we on the Gibson? Yeah, the Gibson, not the main character. 
So on my copy, uh, the Gibsonist thing to me was when, well, okay. On my copy, it was weird when they cut from the Iron Sheik to the Iron Sheik. Yeah. <laughs> now I sort of get, like, okay, they cut a couple matches out for reasons. And whatever, fine. Um, but if you're the world champion, you're getting cut off mid-promo. That's pretty fucking That Gibson. is. You're supposed to be the main character, bro. No wonder he, he joined up with Sergeant mm-hmm. Slaughter. It bonded over being fucking worthless geeks who jobbed to Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you know? so Not the main character solidarity. Um, there are so many guys who are just, like, nothing, but they're not, like, not the main character because they are essentially, ex- like, succeeding in their, like... The Rock and Roll Ex- This is named because the Rock and Roll Express are considered one of the classic tag teams of all time, and Gibson doesn't really do anything. Right, and the Iron Sheik didn't do That's... much, and he was in Hogan's shadow. He's he's forever going to be like, oh well, okay. He's famous for like his crazy rants and you know the the whatever kind mm-hmm. of gimmick, right? But also like he's the guy who Hulk Hogan beat for the world right. title. He was like the sacrificial lamb of Hulkamania or whatever. Um, and it's just, that's what his reign is remembered for. It's like four weeks yep. long, right? He beat Bob Backlund because Backlund's manager threw in right. the owl. And then he immediately loses to Hulk Hogan. And he gets cut off in the middle of his only promo <laughs> as world champion. Hard to argue this one, Kremlin. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Iron Sheik. Do we have any other awards? Uh, no celebrity cameos, nothing like that. Didn't we come up with a new award last Probably. Week? Oh, where are my notes? So, like, I know, I have Control-F award. The, oh, yeah, the, the Mick Foley award for best in-ring. Ah, yes. I'd, <laughs> we didn't. I don't. I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't any notice that. any great grunts. Yeah, they didn't like the ring no. very well. Need the grunts. Yeah, grunty boys. Um, this show was no. not great. You know, and I'm guessing this is we're gonna be getting a lot of this going forward. This kind of, bleh, you know, if if pro wrestling, it's the. You know, if a, if a Kenny Omega Okada match is like a filet mignon, this is like, uh, uh, I don't know, like that that pre cooked bacon you just put in the microwave <laughs> to heat it up. Yeah, this is like, yeah, okay, it tastes like bacon, but this is, it's I'm not, I don't feel the 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 rush of joy that bacon or what insert you know good food shitty food of your right. choice right like like. Whatever. Um, yeah, not great. But I'm interested to continue watching the, the sort of trajectory from here to WrestleMania 1. Agreed. Agreed. You know? It is historically yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and much less dreary yeah. than, the, than, the, than the territory stuff. Like the TV, you know, the production value of it all, it's not there yet, and they still have a few years before they figure that stuff out, but... That's okay. You know, we'll get there. So, if I may, here's kind of the docket for the podcast moving forward in the next few yeah, weeks. Yeah, docket. Okay? So, we're going to watch, up next, we're going to watch The Brawl to End It All, which was, I believe these are MTV specials coming up. 
right? The brawl to yes. end it all was yes, for MTV. Indeed. Um, a little curious about that. So this is where the rock and wrestling stuff comes in. MTV's only been around a few years, you know, but it's hot. Oh, God, I want my MTV. Gotta, whatever. Gotta have my pops. Um, so MTV's a big thing. Vince sees that. Vince decides to work with MTV because he's trying to go national, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right? And, uh, and Hogan's a big star. So they do the brawl to end it all, which is one MTV special. We're going to watch that yep. next week. Very interesting. It's apparently available on YouTube. Um, so we'll be watching that. And then there's the war to settle the score. Uh, so timeline-wise, brawl to end it all is July 84. And then the war to settle the score is February 85. So we're going to be skipping quite a few months, but I'm okay with that. If it's just going to be a bunch of here's fucking Ivan Putski versus, yeah. you know, Sal Balomo and uh, who, you know, like, who cares? Um, so we're going to watch these two MTV specials, and then we're going to watch... Uh, so we've basically got three episodes left in this run. Yeah. As I look at So we'll watch The Brawl to End It All, and then The War to Settle the Score, and then we're going to do... This might be a little bit of a jumbo episode. We're going to watch the episode of Saturday Night Live, mm. hosted by Mr. T and Hulk Hogan, from the night before WrestleMania. And we're just going to roll that into our WrestleMania 1 episode. Excellent. Yeah, so I think that'll be fun. And then we'll do awards, maybe, for the season? Yeah, I think so. A quick awards, and then do you want to maybe flesh out where to go next, or just save I that I think save later? that for later. Let's uh, let's cool. jump into this the, the deep waters of uh, early WWF expansion and see how it goes. Yeah. See how we um, feel it. Who am I excited to see more of Hogan. in this run? Um, Hogan, and that's it, I believe. Pornall? Uh, uh, he's not um, back. Pornall, Orndor? Yeah, no more Pornall. Piper, um, maybe? Like, cutting the promos on MTV and about how much he well, hates right. rock and roll and shit? <laughs> That'll be fun. Well, well, right, once we get into the Piper-Hogan feud, that I think that'll be much more interesting. I agree. You know, once Hogan is champion and has a heel to feud with, then things will start to get real yeah. fun. Yeah. So, we'll see. It's kind of what I'm thinking, too. I'm just excited to... to no, I don't know if excited's the right word, but curious is. I'm curious to see this how is it all right. goes. So, if last week's show, right, with the, the territory shows, was like a... Oh, I don't know... 95.5 in favor of historical value versus entertainment yeah. value. This is like a 60-40? Maybe. 70-30? Certainly 70-30. 75-25. I am most know? interested in this mania because I've never watched the first WrestleMania. Never oh, watched haven't? it. Oh, so, okay. like, to see it and to compare it to some of the classic manias, like WrestleMania 4 of the two tapes, WrestleMania 7 in front of 18 million people in California, it's going to just be really interesting to see kind of how it uh, how it goes off and how different it is. I think that's more more than anything, because they are kind of still getting to that, like, production value and, like, glitz and glamour type thing. They're not there at all yet. It's still his father's old promotion. So... It still feels like a territory. Yes. 
it just feels like a territory that's about to catch fire under one enormous star. And that's all hindsight mm-hmm. bias, too. I feel like if I'm sitting here in 1984 watching this show, I would be like, this was not Yeah, good. probably. You know? So, if, if I am, uh, you know, 37 years old, as opposed to negative 38 weeks or whatever old, right? Um, so, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how the Piper and the MTV and all that kind of plays out. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fascinating little look into it, and then we'll see if we want to continue on or if we want to jump to a different time period. I would love to move to something in the '90s or 2000s after something this. Something where honestly. maybe someone might conceivably, possibly during a match, do a just, flip. I just want to see some bright yeah. colors. <laughs> like, like, dude, I'll tell you, for the '80s, I'm not seeing as much of the telecolor nightmare that is like associated with the '80s at times. Yeah, and I think a lot of that. I think we got to get into, especially for mm. wrestling, to kind of hit that. Uh, we got to start getting into. This is not a kids show yet, really. Mm-hmm. A little bit, but not the way it is when it's like I'm the Ultimate Warrior and I'm fucking Plumber and Snake Guy and a. <laughs> whatever you know all the gimmicky right. stuff so so we'll see you know there's it's a much slower sort of shift from the sort of dimly lit arenas so to speak mm-hmm. right to the pomp and bombast of monday night raw or wrestlemania 75 or whatever we're at now you know so Lots, uh, many ups and many downs. Yes, yeah, for know. sure. For now, we've uh, we've got some brawls to settle it all, some wars that settle the score, and some mania and some to go with the mania to wrestle. So for Cramine, for Ruth Hogan, and of course for the Iron Sheik, this is Strenuous Man Flurry. We'll be back next week. Is it uh, which one is the first one? Is it war to settle the score or brawl to end it all? Uh, yeah, brawl to end it all. Brawl to end it all. And I don't even know, like, can you, do you have a spoiler-free card? It's one match. That? It's a one-match oh. card. It's Wendy Richter versus the Fabulous Moolah. That's what aired on They TV. were trying to make Wendy Richter into a big star. Well, they were trying to associate someone with Cindy Lauper, and they figured it had mm-hmm. to be a woman. I looked up a card. This is an MSG show. Wait, really? Yeah. So that means on the MSG like network, it... it probably aired in total, in full. Right. Right, so I'm pretty sure that's the clip that's on YouTube because the YouTube thing I found was like two hours, I think. So we'll be back at you next week with specifics, but we are watching more than one match, I'm pretty sure. Sounds like I think it opens with Sika versus some jobber. I looked up a card, I remember that. Yeah, because they're all listed as dark matches on the Wiccai Padaya. Right. Right, so they never aired on MTV, but they probably aired on MSG Network. Okay, then we will probably do two things then. Probably watch the... Oh, yeah, there was a Coliseum video release. Okay. So I think what we should do most likely, uh, my suggestion, if we can find it, is find the MTV broadcast, because and then like watch that, but then also, if we can find the Coliseum video release or the MSG show, you know, just watch it in total. Because I'm sure there's, like, promos and wraparounds and stuff for the one-match MTV right, the card. YouTube, the YouTube, the, the YouTube, the YouTube... Don Morocco, Don Morocco, Don Morocco. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> um, the YouTube clip that I mm-hmm. found looked like it had all Oh, I see it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, we'll yeah. figure it out. 
We'll, we'll share the links but with each, with each other. If you happen to have, if you happen to have, you know, your own VHS tape or perhaps Betamax, I can't remember when that was, uh, from July of 1984, you know, feel free to watch along with us, and we'll be back at you next we'll week. Back. All right, folks, we have got to get out of here. We will be back next week. Yep. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>